reading, which comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 14 through 17 in the ESV. There's a few ESV Bibles uh, under the pews. Uh, also, you could look it up uh, in your own Bible or a Bible app. We're also projected up here. But if you're joining us online, we know that it's sometimes kind of hard to read the scripture, uh, depending on how big your screen is. So you may want to look it up on your own. Again, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. And if you could please stand as able once you're ready to read the scripture. Excuse me. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, we have been talking uh, the, the past couple months about how to go deep uh, with Christ and how we can have change that goes deep into our lives, deep into our souls, and, and have real change. You know, we don't just want to hear like a nice message every now and then or even feel inspiration, but we want to learn how to actually have the life that God wants for us, this abundant life. And so, friends, uh, I have to say that at this point in our journey, um, we're at kind of an impasse. And I'm going to say something that is probably not absolutely true, <laughs> but I think that there is a lot of truth to this. And so just, just think about it for, for a moment. If you want to go deeper, if you really want to go deep, I think we are at, at a bit of an impasse today. And today's message and what we're going to be talking about is kind of the point of no return in some ways. And what we're going to be talking about is this idea of dying to yourself. And it is something we talk about a lot in uh, um, Christian tradition. Uh, and it's something that we can't ignore, right? We'll, we'll go into this in a little bit, uh, but Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow him, right? We're told that uh, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit, right? In, in many ways, actually, the Christian rite of initiation is a drowning ritual, right? Baptism. Baptism wasn't just kind of like sprinkling some water on someone's head or you pour the water on their head, but you would immerse them. And the symbolism was that it's like you're going into the ground and you are dying and you come out as a new person. So if you want to go deep, right, if you really want to go deep, you got to learn what it means metaphorically, right, to die and to be raised in Christ. And so, friends, um, I know that sounds daunting to some of us. And to others, it just sounds like a Christian cliche. I'm going to be honest with you. That's the way that I usually thought. Um, for a lot of my life. Even as a pastor, I would preach messages like this all the time. But the reality is, is that you see so many people whose lives really aren't changed that much. We'll say things like, we're a new creation, but you know, I, I just sometimes wonder when you look around at people who profess to be Christ followers, and you just wonder, are they really, are they really new creations? Are we really so much different than everyone else in the world? 
They've done actually like polls of like, you know, uh, uh, all these studies to see the behaviors of Christ followers versus just, you know, people who believe in all kinds of things, right? Uh, People who don't believe in God at all. And what they find is that the behaviors are almost exactly the same. So are we a new creation? I don't know. I don't know. But friends, I do want to talk about what that means, and more importantly, how do you become a new creation? Well, let's find out. So I want to recap, just pick up right where we left off last week. And so we were talking last week about Jesus' central message. If you guys weren't here last week or you didn't get a chance to hear it, all of our messages are on podcasts. You can look up Living Grace Ministry. Um, They're on YouTube. And um, you can get caught up there. But it was a really important message because Jesus' message, his most central message, was about the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is here. And what that means is that Jesus wants to reign here in our lives, especially in our lives. And you see that in the Lord's Prayer, which we talked about uh, a a few weeks ago, a little bit last week too. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for some reason, we have left out the on earth part. I, 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 th- I, I think I know the reason. And the reason is because we don't want to give up our kingdoms. So it's much easier to talk about a kingdom that's coming a kingdom that comes after you die because no change is necessary here. People can be as greedy as they want. They can accumulate as much money and wealth as they want, exclude people as much as they want. They can wage as much war as they want. They can have as much political power as they want. As long as the kingdom is after this life. But if the kingdom is coming, that changes everything, right? If this prayer, Jesus's prayer, is like, like, I mean, we call it the Jesus prayer, the Lord's prayer, right? If this is what Jesus wants us to pray for, I mean, this is front and center, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Richard Rohr, uh, he's a Franciscan priest. He likes to say that your kingdom come, when you pray that, you're simultaneously praying, my kingdom go. (laughs) you can't have both, right? You can't have two masters, Jesus says. You can't have two gods, right? You're going to love one, and you're going to despise the other. We can't both be in control here. If you're the king of your life, and if you're praying for God's kingdom to come, that means you got to step off. you got to step off that throne, right? And that's what we're talking about, right? And so here, just to kind of give you some more examples of, of this kind of language, Luke 9, 23 through 25, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. This idea that if you want a life and you try to gain it on your own, Jesus is saying you're going to lose something. There's an actual life that God wants to give you, right? I think it's the abundant life it talks about in John 10, 10, right? I have come to give you life and life abundantly, overflowing, 
the best possible life. If you want that, then you're going to have to give something up. And it is the life that you want just, you know, yourself. The self-directed life, right? And, and so let, let, let's get into the scripture that we read today. Um, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Okay, so just want to get into this just real quick. So Paul has this way of talking about these different things that can control us, right? He talks about it in these two terms, flesh and spirit. When he talks about flesh, he's not talking about your body per se. He's talking about you. He's talking about the natural person, the way that we normally are, right? Like if someone makes you mad and angry and you just react, right? You just go into autopilot. You know, someone says something, you know, about your mom, and you're like, what'd you say about my mom? You know, Bruh! that's flesh, okay? When, when you're just at home, and you're, like, having a really bad day, and you just automatically, there's something you reach for. There's something you want to do. You want to take a nap. You want to eat ice cream. You want to go on the internet. You want, you want to veg out, whatever. Flesh, right? It's just the automatic reaction that you have to things, right? And by the way, the way we judge other people, too, the way we think about people in this world, right? Flesh. When people are mistrusting of other people, they make assumptions about other people. When we're racist or when we're, when, when we're hating on people or when we're suspicious, flesh, right? It's not like a very spiritual thing. It's just normal, right? It's just the way that we all are, right? And so it says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, right? We're not being led by that. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Why? Because something is changing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And by the way, we we actually left out uh, a part of this where it says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. The love of Christ controls us, right? And so there is this idea that we are being led by different things, right? And so, friends, I have to say, I want to go back to that question, though. Like, are we really a new creation? How can you tell? And, and one of the things that I think we encounter is that there is an assumption that I feel like a lot of Christ followers make, and I think it's a bad assumption, I already told you, statistically, if you just look at the lives of two people, a Christ follower and a non-Christ follower, if you didn't follow them to church, you may not know. You may not know the difference, right? And so, keeping that in mind, the assumption that a lot of people make is that if you, at one time, you said these words, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that just presto magic you are a new creation now. Okay, maybe, maybe. But do the facts add up to that? Are our lives really that different? Are we like Jesus? Is our love like Jesus? Are we able to do the things that Jesus does? So I wanted to kind of devise a test, right? And it's not a test that's made, oh, sorry, my little, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, sorry about that. It's not a test that's meant to, like, make you feel bad or anything like that. But it's just kind of, like, for yourself, just to kind of gauge, you know, are we really a new creation, 
And there's kind of three different tests that we can use here. And they're all biblical. I try to put scripture up there. And if you have any questions about it, I can give you even more scripture. Because as I was doing this, I was like, oh, man, I could put in this scripture and this scripture and this scripture. And I was like, too much, too much. People are going to get overwhelmed. So I just put in like, you know, like one, maybe two, you know. Uh, But so one is the fruit test, right? And so Jesus says this all the time. You judge a tree by its fruit, right? And so, you know, it's something that he would talk about with the Pharisees all the time, right? Because the Pharisees seemed to look religious, and they would always kind of like give Jesus a hard time because they're like, hey, our metric for what it means to be a good God-fearing Jew, to be one of God's chosen people, is you follow the law. And they're like, Jesus, we got you because you're not following the law, right? He would, he would, like, break the law at times, right? He would, like, break the Sabbath, at least in their eyes. He would do things that they're like, no, we don't do that kind of thing. We don't associate with Gentiles and tax collectors and, you know, all these kinds of things, right? And so they're like, got you. And Jesus is like, no, no, I'm using a different metric, and it is fruit. What is actually coming out of your life, right? And so Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Instead of envy and strife and anger and, 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 and just all of these things that, you know, normally guide us, right? Fear, anxiety, depression, right? Rage. What is the fruit of our lives? And there's some Christians who seem to think that what it means to be a new creation is you have the right words, right? We call it proclamational faith, right? So you, you have the right theology. You say, okay, Jesus died for my sins and he did this and that and that. That's fine as far as it goes. But Jesus really doesn't seem to be too concerned about that. We're really concerned about that. But Jesus wasn't really concerned about the right words and the right theology. That came later. That came like many hundreds of years later. We got really, really caught up with that. Actually, not even (laughs) hundreds of years. We got really caught up with it really fast. And then, you know, the funny thing is that over our words, you know, like using the right words, there are people who are like really mean about it, right? Like like actually through the ages, I I don't want to be too dramatic, but it's true. People have killed each other over not using the right words. Is that the fruit? of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Is that the sign of a new creation? That you can have supposedly the right theology, but just be a complete jerk, right? That you can be a really hateful person? That you can be a really petty and jealous person? Friends, that's not what I see in Scripture, Right? When you see Jesus and these people are like, you're not doing the right thing. You're breaking the law. And, ah, they're picking up stones to kill him. And Jesus is like, I forgive you. <laughs> right? What is the fruit from your life? What is actually coming out of your life? Right? That's one test. Very, very important test. Right? Uh, second test is the love test. And there's different ways that we can talk about the love test. But in particular, it says, are you controlled by a spirit of love or by a spirit of fear? What's in the driver's seat? We talked about this before. In 1 John, it talks about perfect love drives out fear, right? And, and so you see it here, what we just read. For the love of Christ 
controls us. You guys see that, the love test? What are you being controlled by? Are you being controlled by love? Are you being controlled by fear? This is one of the things that drives me crazy about contemporary Christianity. I'm just going to go on my soapbox just for a second, guys. Just indulge me for a second. So much of modern Christianity is just driven by fear. It's all fear. Oh, we can't let those people win. What are they going to do to us? What's going to happen to the church? It's all fear, guys. It's not like, man, look at the people who are so lost. Look at people who, who they're just under a spirit of depression. There's so many people who are lost without Jesus. And your heart breaks for them. But it's, ah, oh, we got to protect ourselves, right? What are we being led by? For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. Jesus died for us out of love. And if Jesus died for us, it says we all die with him, right? Another mistake that we make in the church oftentimes is we talk about what Jesus did for us as if it's apart from us. We're like, oh, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for us. But we don't realize we also have to die. And it's a good thing. Because the way that we are living now is not the way of Christ. It's not the best possible life. We are so driven by these things, and we can't help it. We can't help but hate other people. We can't help but be fearful. We can't help but be anxious. We can't help but be depressed. Right? We talked about anxiety last week, and you know, we talked about this idea of do not be anxious. Right? And just hearing that, I, I know so many people, they talk to me about that, about whenever I preach about anxiety, they're like, Pastor Steve, I have so much anxiety in my life. It's terrible. I hate it. I've talked about this before. Sometimes I wake up in the morning. Guys, many of you know, I have suffered from, you know, panic attacks and, you know, from anxiety disorders. And I'm not immune to this. I'm learning. I'm learning what it means to live in this different reality, to be led by this different spirit. And I know what it's like when you wake up in the morning and you're just racked with that anxiety. You just feel that, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Do you ever feel that, friends? And, and the weird thing about anxiety is that it's unlocalized fear. I was talking about this with the youth group this morning. I was trying to explain anxiety to them. You know, if, if you go into your kitchen and there's someone in a ski mask and a knife, what you're feeling right now is fear, Right? If you are upstairs in your bedroom and you hear something like, it could be your ice machine, right? It could be your dog. It could be gravity. A book fell off the bookshelf. Or it could be an axe murderer, right? And if you sit there for the rest of the night just worrying about it, that's anxiety because you don't know. It's no object, right? And there are times we're anxious about something that is absolutely not real. Sometimes we don't even know why we're anxious. We're just stuck in it. We're in it all the time. And for a lot of us, we're like, man, I don't want to be led by that. How many times have you ever thought to yourself, man, I want to like, talk to that person. That person looks lonely. Or I want to pray for that person. Or I want to do something that's just a little bit bold, a little bit outside of my comfort zone. And how many times were you held back not because of you love them too much, but you're held back by fear. Because you're not being controlled by love in that moment. You're absolutely being controlled by fear. Right? And so this idea that if we are a new creation, we die 
with Christ. We die to what? The old way of living. The old way of being controlled by these fears, right? So that we can live now with Christ. Christ lived in a completely different way. I, we're going to talk about this in a moment, but Jesus was free, right? And we want to live this way. But friends, I, yeah, I mean, we, we have to be honest. What's in the driver's seat? Third thing is the freedom test. Are you actually free to disobey your own autopilot desires and follow Christ instead? Remember the example I used, like, you come home, you're stressed out. What do you do? Automatically. Sometimes you don't even remember doing it. There's so many times I talk to people and I ask them, hey, how was your week? And they sit there and they're like, we don't even know. We don't know what we're doing. Hey, what did you eat yesterday? But no clue. <laughs> you know, like, like we're, we're like not there. What's happening? You're just going into autopilot. A lot of us do, especially when you're under stress, especially when you're under fear, especially when you are being led by spirits that are not of Christ. You spend the whole week being angry or you spend the whole week being depressed. I know what this is like. The week just flies by. You're like in a haze. You're not aware of anything. And it's like you don't even have any choices. And so sometimes it's so frustrating because someone will be like, yo, snap out of it. You're like, yo, you think it's that easy? You think I want to do this? I just do it. I just do it because I've always been doing it and I can't stop doing it. You think I like doing it? I just, that's just me, right? It's autopilot. And so friends, are we free to actually do something different? Maybe there's a moment like, like you know, an easy example is like addictions. You know, maybe your pattern is when you get stressed out, you take a drink you know, of something alcoholic, or you do something to alter your mind, and you're like, that's not good for me, I want to stop it. Are you actually free to do that? When you, you're just having a really bad day, just terrible day, and you're just like, man, I really want to take a drink. Are you free to stop, right? Are you free to instead follow Christ? You could take a moment to pray. You could take a moment to think about someone other than yourself. You know, you actually love someone else in that moment right? Are you conscious and aware that there is an autopilot setting? Or for some of us, like, this is just like nonsense. We're like, Pastor Steve, what are you talking about? It's just what everyone does. It's just life. Yeah, it's the flesh. It's your natural self. And what we are trying to get to is supernatural. It's above the natural. It's beyond the natural. It's spiritual. Right? We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. So can you even see that this autopilot setting is something not good for you? Right? Because that's where we want to go with all of this. Right? That there is actually a way where we can die to ourselves so that we can live. I want to say at this point, friends, that I think that my upbringing, and I know everyone's upbringing was not my upbringing, <laughs> but sometimes when we talk like this, all we get is death. We just talk about death. Like, yo, yo, you got to sacrifice, right? You, you got to die to yourself. Stop being so selfish. We've heard that, some of us. But that's really not Jesus' emphasis, right? I mean, he does say take up your cross. He does say die. So that you can live right? You can't get a new creation without getting rid of the old, right? 
And so in many ways, friends, there's always this idea of upgrade and exchange. You know, you have a crappy old phone and you've been using it all the time, right? And then someone is offering you a new phone. You gotta stop using that old phone. You gotta give it up at some point, right? If you want a better job, you gotta give up the old job, right? You can't stay in the same place. You can't have both, right? And in the same way, Jesus is trying to give you a new life. But friends, I gotta tell you, I think there's a reason why just we never listen to this. And I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad. It's because, I mean, it's, it probably doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, but you're in control. Yourself is in the driver's seat. And so if we're saying to you, hey, self, you got to go. You got to die. Yourself is like, well, I don't want that. <laughs> Why would yourself want to die, right? And so it's so hard to catch it. It's so hard to catch it. I know it sounds so weird. You're like, but Pastor Steve, if I don't want to die, then I don't want to die, right? But it, there's kind of like two versions of you, right? There's the version of you that wants something big, some, something grand, right? It's that version of you that wants real meaning and purpose, right? Let, let's say you're doing something that you're just wasting your time. I don't know. Uh, let's, let's say... You know, you play video games all day. That's all you do, right? And on some level, that's what you want to do. You play video games because you want to in that moment. But then there's moments where, I don't know, you stop playing video games for a while, you just get sick of it, you know, and then you think to yourself, is that what I really want to do? Like, like, like is, do I just want to do this for the rest of my life? Do you guys see that contrast, right? There's a part of you that doesn't want to do it, and there's a part of you that does, right? And this is what Paul talks about, the battle between your flesh and your spirit. There's an elevated part of you that has always wanted God. Sometimes when you talk about spiritual things, that gets activated. Sometimes when you're worshiping with other people, it gets activated. You're like, oh, I want this. This is real. This is good. And then other times, you're just like, I want to play the video game. I just want to do whatever I want to, right? That is the contrast. And in the moment, you may want to follow the flesh, but how do we more and more learn to die to that flesh? Learn to exchange that, that other life for the new creation that we have in Christ. That's what we want to learn. And so, friends, I want to say this. Um, So much of what we're talking about is summed up by Jesus saying, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. If you don't have ears to hear, don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. I know that sounds crazy, but I really mean it. Um, for some reason, uh, a lot of Christian preachers get really bent out of shape when people don't listen to them. Guys, are you listening? Come on. Come on, guys. Wake up. And like all this stuff. Jesus didn't talk like that. right? He's like, hey, if you have ears to hear, hear. You don't have ears to hear? I guess you can't, <laughs> right? And you just move on, you know? But like, man, we're, we're like, we, we try to threaten people and like, oh, you're going to hell and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like, you just may not be ready to hear. I mean, it just may be your flesh is just, just really, really in the driver's seat and you're not ready to give that up yet. 
No worries, no worries. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm being 100% honest. But if there's these moments where you just kind of snap out of it for a second, and you're like, I want something else. I know that that life is not giving me real life. It's not giving me what I really want. Then I have a couple suggestions for where we can go. And this is the starting place. There were people uh, back in the day, um, we call them mystics now, but back then they were just Christ followers, right? Uh, people actually called them mystics because I think they wanted to marginalize them. And it was probably the powers that be, the, the powers of the church, who just wanted institutional church. But there are people, they go out into the desert and they just wanted to be with God. And what they identified is that in your process of becoming more like Christ, there's kind of three stages, right? And uh, we are only going to talk about the first because you can't get to the other stages until we talk about the first. I'll be honest. Today's message was supposed to be about meditating on Scripture. We'll do that next week, right? Because I realized that if we don't talk about dying to ourselves, you're not going to want to meditate on Scripture, right? I mean, I can talk about meditating on Scripture all I want, and you're not going to want to do it, right? So what good is it? When you're stressed, when, when, when you're just living your life, you're going to go on autopilot like we all do. And so, friends, the whole thing is we want to stop the autopilot. That's it. That's the first step. Stop the autopilot. Die to your flesh. And so the first step is to notice when you are being led by something not of Christ. Just notice, right? Just catch it. And sometimes you can't catch it until after it happens. Anyone, you don't have to raise your hand. Raise your hand in your hearts, in your head. Does anyone have anger issues? I have anger issues. I'm raising my hand. Don't raise your hand, but I'm raising my hand. I have anger issues. Do you ever snap and and you do something, you yell, and then you catch yourself and you're like, what the heck was that? Just in that next moment, you're like, dude, why did I yell like that? That's so weird. I didn't want to yell like that. I was like perfectly fine, but I'm in traffic. Someone cuts me off and you just act like a maniac. What is that? You just caught it. You just caught it. You just caught the fact that you are being led by something not of Christ. That's simple. Is there ever a moment where you just want to sleep the whole day? You don't want to go to class. You don't want to do anything. You just caught it. You just caught it. If you can recognize that, right? I'm not saying even do anything about it. Just recognize you are being led by something, not of Christ. Does this make sense? Yeah? Do you ever, like, not, you're not able to forgive someone or you're jealous? Oh. You, you ever just like, oh, man, that person gets on my nerves. Oh, they bother me so much. You're being led by a spirit, not of Christ, right? It's just normal, right? It's just natural. What we are talking about, where we want to get to is supernatural. So if you're doing something natural, don't feel bad about it. What good is it? If you're going to feel bad about it, because all you're going to do is you're now going to introduce a spirit of shame. Now you just added another spirit that's controlling you. So stop. Stop feeling bad about being natural, right? We're jealous. We're rageful. We get angry. We get depressed. We get anxious. Did I already say anxious? (laughs) We get anxious a lot. You know, it's just natural. Stop feeling bad about it. But wake up. Open your eyes. Just recognize that it's happening. And if you can recognize that it's happening, then we can go to the next step. And the next step is, this is the, the, the step 
in the, the, uh, the spiritual process. For those of you guys who don't like to be kept in suspense, I'll just give you the three steps. This is not me. This is ancient wisdom for Christ followers throughout the ages. The three steps are purgation, illumination, and union. Purgation, illumination, and union. Purgation, illumination, and union. At first, they don't really roll off the tongue, but the more you say it, they do. <laughs> purgation is that first step. And the idea is that, yes, the ultimate goal is for us to fully be united with Christ, right? But in order to do that, you cannot skip that first step, which is to die to yourself, to deny yourself, as it says in the scripture, right? And so we need to find helpful and practical ways to do that, to stop your flesh, to stop your autopilot. And so, friends, I don't know what it's going to be for you. Actually, what we're going to be talking about next week, meditating on Scripture can be that because there's not a lot of thinking involved when you meditate on Scripture. It's a lot of repetition. Uh, one of the ways I like to meditate on Scripture is, um, is memorization. I'm like, oh, you got to stop. I mean, I'm not going to have anything for next week if I keep on talking about that. But, uh, you know, there are these things that we do where you just need to get your mind to just stop being in the, 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 to get your flesh to stop being in the driver's seat for a second, right? And, and so one of the ways that we can do this, we've already talked about this a few weeks ago, this idea of silence and solitude. This is just, the, the, it is the cornerstone of all spiritual practice to just be still. Your mind is not going to want to. Your mind will not shut up. It'll keep going. And so some people, what they have learned to do is you sit still, and you're, when your mind just, oh, what are we going to do today? What are we going to eat? Ah, the test. Ah, all this stuff. And you just go, Jesus. Or you could say something like, let go. You could say, Holy Spirit, come. And you just be still. What are you doing in this moment when you're being still? You know what you're not doing? You're not going into autopilot. The whole point of it, in many ways, is to get the autopilot to just slow down a little bit, and ultimately, you want to kill it, right? You want to kill it. You want to give it to Christ. Because once you do that, now there is room for the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit can get cooking. That's where we get to illumination. All this, like, God's going to open up things to you. God's going to reveal things to you. God's going to speak to you. But you've got to shut up that voice in your head. You've got to get it to just quiet down, just pipe down a little bit, and you can kill it. Some people, uh, for me, my spiritual practice is this, um, it's a kind of contemplative prayer, a prayer of silence that I do for 20 minutes, centering prayer, exactly what I described. I sit in a chair, and... I just kind of look out of a window, close my eyes, so I'm not really looking out a window, but, you know, sometimes a little sunlight comes in. It's kind of nice. Got a cup of coffee next to me. And I just sit there, and I set a timer. I set it for 21 minutes. One minute is just for me to calm down, maybe take some deep breaths, you know? And then for the next 20 minutes, I'm just still. That's it. Anytime a thought comes in, anytime I get carried away, it happens all the time right? Autopilot kicks in, and before I know it, like, I'm like, dude, how much time passed? Don't even think about it. Just say, Jesus, 
and just rest. Just rest. All we're trying to do is kill the autopilot. That's it. That's it. You're just trying to create space. Some people, they make their practice, and, and I've done this many times, walking in nature. You just walk in nature and just look around. Look at the leaves. Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field and just enjoy. You can talk to Jesus if you want. Uh, there are times where when I'm walking in nature, I'll listen to praise music. Just, just listen to just Jesus singing over me. You know, or, or just listen to other people praising God. You know, and I'll just listen and then I'll turn off the music and just keep walking. And just try to let that autopilot just die. Just a little bit more. Does that make sense? I don't know what's going to work for you. Maybe journaling might work for you. I don't know. Experiment, right? That is your first step into the spiritual journey. You want to go deep you need to understand purgation. You need to understand how to kill the autopilot. Yeah? How, how to let it just die at the feet of Jesus. Amen? All right, friends. Um, very, very simple message. But praise team, can you guys come up? And let's just take a moment to just be still in the presence of God. Let's let that word that you just heard just kind of go deep. And you can practice. Just take a moment. Be still. If any thought comes in, just say, Jesus. Or you can say, let go. Just be still. Sometimes, friends, it's like uh, um, someone told me that it's like, you know, like this bottle of water, if you like roll it down the street, that water is going to turn around violently. And when it comes to an end, like maybe it, it hits like a, 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 the curb of the street or something, that for a moment, the water is going to, just really violently splash around, even more violently than when it was in motion. So sometimes when you try to be still before God, you're going to feel that. It's always going to feel like death. It's always going to feel like surrender in the beginning. But then, friends, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there will be peace. It's so nice to not have to try to be God for a moment. Just for 20 minutes or however long, one minute. You don't have to be God. Just rest. Just rest. Just surrender. Let go. You don't need to be in control. Jesus, you can have it. You can have it. You're in control of the universe anyways. I need to stop being boss. I need to just let the autopilot die. To let it choke down a little. To surrender it to you. that is leading us into greater meaning and greater purposes to love and to be loved. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.